Well, let's see. Now, last week uh, in the first service, Becky preached, okay? And I had several people say that she was going to take my job from me. And I willingly said she can have the job if she wants the job. What they don't know about Becky is I, have, I had to beg her to preach. She, in fact, I, she tried to back out on me a half a dozen times last week. Like, you know, I can't do it. I mean, I'm busy. I, I, don't, I don't really want to. I said, nope, you're doing it this time because I'm sorry. But she gave a really great message last week in the first service on just relationship with the Lord himself. You know, if you weren't here, you get that off the Internet to listen to it. It was really a good, good message, I thought. Also, uh, we had Randall Worley in the second service last week who gave just a tremendous word uh, on, really, on on us. Really, it was a word about us. It was, uh, it was a very good uh, teaching from a prophetic anointing is what it was. And he really talked to us about who we are and about uh, what God was doing with us. It was, very, it was a comforting message, really. Uh, I really urge you also to get that message uh, off the Internet. It would be worth listening to. So both of those messages are up there if you, if you care to listen to them. They're there on our website. Amen. Well, a lot of people don't know this about me, but um, back in the 80s, I was really big into the prayer movement. Y'all remember, a lot of you guys remember the prayer movement back in the 80s. Uh, it was really a tremendous uh, move of the Lord. Uh, I can just remember a few things like Bill Bright. Y'all, y'all know who Bill Bright is? Well, he's gone with the Lord now, but he, he, was, uh, he had some tremendous revelation uh, and had this thing going around about fasting. And so we wound up fasting for 40 days, okay? Uh, I don't really recommend that, I'll be honest with you. In fact, it sort of did me in on fasting for a while. I, I thought I was going to die, really. Like, I'm going to die. I'm not going to be alive. <laughs> I was really, you know, it was kind of rough. You know, it was kind of rough for me to go 40 minutes without eating, actually. But uh, I used to actually do a lot of fasting early on in my Christian life. It's sort of... I don't know if it's bad or good, but now I don't do near as much fasting as I used to when I was a young Christian. So I don't want to talk about fasting too much because the Lord may start talking to me about fasting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the Lord has been talking to me about prayer a lot lately. And uh, so I, I tell you, I feel like it's really on the Lord's heart. I really do. I can't. I was soaking the other day, and uh, I really always recommend that type of prayer to everybody all the time, soaking prayer. And that simply is, is just being still before the Lord and letting the Lord speak to you. And sometimes the Lord says nothing. Uh, so what I do when He's saying nothing, I just meditate on Scriptures. Uh, and if I can't come up with a Scripture, I can always think about Jesus hanging on the cross. I can always think about Jesus being, you know, abused for me. And that always brings me into a special place with the Lord. So, you know, that's a powerful way to, to pray, I think. Um, also, uh, there's, there's other ways, but I want to talk to you about this one particular thing because when I was soaking this week, I asked the Lord, 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 would you just speak to me? And, you know, the Lord is speaking a lot these days. I, I just want to really encourage you about that. This is sort of a side note. God is talking to people. But a lot of people are not catching it because they're looking for something, some specific way for him to speak, and he's speaking through many ways, many, many ways, okay? And if you're listening and you're paying attention, you will hear him talk to you, okay? Because he's talking, and the Bible says, my sheep can hear my voice. It says that. So we can hear God if we have a hearing ear. Let him who has an ear, let him hear is what the Bible says, right? So you need to let yourself hear today what the Holy Spirit is, is saying. But he spoke to me and he gave me the scripture here in Mark 11 about the uh, say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. That's what he said to me. And I said, well, what mountain, Lord? I mean, what's the mountain, right? I mean, I want to know about the mountain I'm supposed to say this to because I don't want to just start, you know, randomly speaking, a, you know, words. And so uh, Thought about it for a while. Of course, you know how the Lord is. He says stuff, and then he doesn't say anything else about it. Sort of leaves you hanging, right? That's how he does. But really what he's doing, he's trying to encourage you, you know. He's trying to encourage you towards him because he's going to give you the answer. And he really began to speak to me a lot about it. I went and 
looked up a bunch of commentaries on what this mountain was and believed nothing in them. Like, that just can't be true. That can't be what Jesus was saying. Like, one of them, like, you know, of course, the, the fig tree is Israel. Let's cast Israel into, into the sea. Like, what? Yeah, that's one person said that. There's a lot of stuff in there that might be, but I, I, I'm going to share what I believe the Lord was saying to me. I want to read the scripture. Okay, now I want to tell you right before I start, this is a former prayer, what I'm going to be talking to you about. Okay? This is a former prayer, but I believe it's a very important former prayer that God is trying to get us into. And it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, verse 22, Have faith in God. Now that's the really, the, the whole thing starts, have faith in God. Literally, is have faith of God. And what he was saying was, this, this is the, like, the prerequisite. Nothing else is going to work that I'm fixing to say to you if you don't have faith of God operating in your life. Good news. Romans 12, 3. God has given each of us a measure of faith. Okay? So we all have this operational faith of God in us. Everybody in this room, you've got the, if you're born again, you have a gift of faith in you. You have the faith of God in you. Romans 12, 3. So he, but he begins, so, so it's not something we have to get, it's something we need to activate, we need to pull on and use to, to make this thing work in our life. Otherwise, your faith won't work. Uh, let, I will go ahead and tell you this, the difference, I want to, this is important, the difference between, there's, everybody has human faith, okay? Every person does. There's a big difference between human faith and God kind of faith. Human faith, the best example I know is, is I, when I get ready to sit down, I have faith that this chair is going to hold me up, right? Okay? Because I can see this chair, and I see you sitting there, so I know it can hold me because I don't weigh that much more than you do. Maybe a little bit more. Okay? But I'll tell you this. If somebody said, hey, Byron, there's a chair right there. Why don't you plop your weight down on that chair right there? I wouldn't do it because I don't see a chair right there. You see what I'm saying? And see, that's really the way God's faith works. God's faith works on the invisible, where human faith works on visible, natural things. So human faith means nothing, really, in one sense, unless you're sitting down. <laughs> you need to sit down, you know. Do y'all get that? That's important, because a lot of people sort of mix the two up. And it's like, I don't think so. So, y'all just sort of looking at me. Yeah, for assuredly I say to you, now this is what the Lord spoke to me when I was soaking, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. See, God has given the faith not to doubt. His faith doesn't have any doubt in it, but believes, his faith is a believing faith, that those things he says will be done. Those things he says, everybody think, say he says. He will have whatever he says. This is so important. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So the mountains that Jesus was talking about, I believe, is problems. Okay? Problems. And everybody in this room has a problem, right? At least one problem. Okay? And now it's interesting that Jesus used mountains. You know, in, the, in the Bible, mountains mean different things. They can mean the heavenly places. They can mean strongholds of safety. But in this case, they mean problems. And it's interesting that he uses the analogy of mountains as a problem because when you think about a mountain, you think about something that is totally immovable, something that, you can, that could never be moved, right? I mean, who, who could move a mountain? It would take a lot. It takes a lot of work to move a mountain, a lot of dynamite, a lot of explosions. And so Jesus used that because a lot of problems we have are problems that we feel like we can never solve problems we feel like we can never overcome. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody got problems in their life that you feel like, I'll never get, I'll never get the breakthrough on this. I'll never get the healing. Or I'll never get where that temptation doesn't pull me down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I think we all do. Some people may be better than others, but I know I'm one. that I have areas in my life? I feel like, will I ever get the victory in this place in my life? That's a mountain. Okay, and so what happens with us... As believers, we pray about our problems, right? Which we should pray about our problems. We pray about our problems. We ask God about our problems. We ask God to help us about our problems. We ask our friends to pray for us. We ask for, you know, if there's a prophet, somebody who gives prophetic words, we ask, you know, for the prophet to, to uh, speak to you, right? I mean, if I, if I know there's a prophet around, I'm always, hey, you got a word for me? <laughs> you know, right? You know, just in case they might have one. 
you know. But so there, and, and those are all good things to do. We should do those things. We should get each other to pray. We should get the blessings of each other. But here's the situation. There comes a time when you've got to quit doing that and when you've got to do something a little bit different. You've got to start speaking to your problem. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about somebody praying for you. He's talking about you taking your mouth and begin to speak to your problem. Now, this is really important that we learn how to do this. Because I, like, I think a lot of us get stuck in our lives and, and we wonder why ain't God helping us. And Jesus is telling us this this is why I want to help. This is why it's not working because there's another way you need to pray, pray about this. Are y'all following me? Now, one of the things that I've seen, one of the things I've experienced in my life is because I've tried this before, actually. Anybody, you know, I've tried a few things in my life. I've tried speaking to some things, and they didn't work. Okay, and my faith, I, I was just like, oh, nothing happened, nothing changed. You know, I mean. I spoke to this situation, and, well, there's lots of reasons it didn't, but, but I didn't stay in faith. One of the things that, that happens is, is, is we had to believe when we begin to speak to something, it does not necessarily change right then, okay? It does not necessarily, nothing on the natural side may be any different, okay? And you see this in the way that it came with Jesus, okay? Let me read this part behind, up there, uh, Mark 11, 12 through 14, are y'all still with me on this? Now, the next day when they had come from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got tired. Jesus got thirsty. That's sort of important to know. Because this, I'm reminding you of something. Everything Jesus did while he was on this earth, he did as a human being, not as a God. Every healing, every miracle. When Jesus was laying in the manger, he could not talk. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't faking baby talk. Okay? He really couldn't talk. He was a baby. Because the Bible says in Philippians 2, that he, or Philippians 1, or I think it's Philippians 2, he emptied himself. He emptied himself of godliness, of God power, of, of himself being God, and became a man and lived as a man and did everything he did as a man. So that's sort of cool. If you believe that, then you, believe, you can do... That's the gospel message. That's the core of the gospel message. If we don't believe that, then we will never be able to walk the way Jesus walked and do the things that Jesus did. Okay. So he was hungry, and seeing from afar a tree having leaves, a fig tree, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. Uh, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Well, a lot of stuff's been said about that, but who cares? what was said about that, right? In other words, Jesus came. He didn't give a rip if it was a season. Or not. That's not the issue here. He was hungry. He wanted figs, and they weren't any, so he just said, in response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. That's what he said. And what happened? Nothing. Right that second. Now, this is important to see. Jesus talked to a tree. He was talking to a tree. If you take... If you take uh, Angel and she walks out there and starts talking to one of them trees out there, we're going to think Angel has broken down. She's lost her mind. She's out there talking to a tree. Okay, but Jesus, Jesus talked to a bunch of things besides people. He talked to storms. He talked to water. He talked, he talked to dead people. He talked to uh, demons. Okay, he talked to the air. See, he was always talking and speaking to the situations around him and changing things, okay? So that's really important that we get this, that this is something biblical. This is something that Jesus did as a normal part of his life. He didn't pray about, well, let me just see. I'm hungry. This thing didn't give me a shit. Lord, what should I do about this fig tree not doing what it's supposed to be doing for me? He didn't think either. No, he just said to the tree, you're never going to have any more fruit on you again, period. And he just turned around and walked off. But nothing happened right this minute. Nothing looked like it happened. Can you just imagine the disciples like, Good Lord, Jesus has lost his anointing. He just cursed that tree. But nothing happened. The tree's fine. Okay? I can just imagine his disciples doing that. Okay? Let's just read what happened. Now, in the morning, everybody say, verse 20. In the, everybody say, in the morning. Morning follows what? 
night, darkness. So you see, there's a period of time that we're going to go through, okay, like called the night. Uh, sorrow endures for not the night, but joy comes in the morning. There's a time period, like a dark period. Once you begin to speak to your, your problems and nothing looks like it changed, but there's a morning that comes. As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter said, remember, and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So the moment Jesus spoke to that tree, it died. It just didn't look like it died. When we begin to speak to our problems, something happens in the spiritual realm. You know, you know chains get loosened. You know, doors get knocked down. Something is happening in the unseen world that's breaking loose for us. We just can't see it. We can't hear it. We can't feel it. But something is surely happening. Okay? And something will surely manifest if we believe and don't doubt, if we continue in the faith of God. Are you all following that? Now, here's the key about your mountain. This is really important. I had to learn this one. Your mountain responds to your voice. It does not respond to somebody else's voice. In other words, you can get the best prayer there is. You can get Bob Jones to pray for you about your problems. But you know what? Your problem is not listening to Bob Jones' prayer. It's not listening to Bob Jones' prophecy. It's not listening to Bill Johnson's great teachings on the kingdom. It's listen to what's going to come out of your mouth, what's coming out of your heart. And so what happens to a lot of Christians, this is what a lot of Christians, we're looking for a prophetic word, right? We should. We're looking for somebody to pray for us. We're looking for intercessors to intercede for us. We should do all these things. But tell you the truth, your problem is looking to you, looking what you are going to say. Now this is where we've got to come to. We've got to come to a place when we begin to speak with our mouth to our situations instead of depending on everybody else, everybody else's mouth, everybody else's to, to speak to our situation. Jesus said, you speak to your mountain. See, I can't necessarily even speak to Becky's mountains. I can fuss at her about them. It doesn't do no good. She gets mad at me, and then we have a big fight, and I'm in the doghouse because I'm fussing about her problem, where I need to encourage her, like, Becky, speak to your, speak to your mountain about being mean to your husband. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing. This is something I had to learn a hard way. This is for parents. There comes a time in a parent, every parent's life when you, gonna, you, you speaking to your kids' problems is a waste of your time because there comes a time when your kids are going to have to learn how to speak to their problems. And so I see parents all the time. This is what's stupid. They are intervening in their kid's life, okay, getting in the way of the Holy Ghost. You know, you don't need to do that as a parent. Can I just say that today? Sometimes, you know what you need to do is let your kid pay a little bit of a price. I'm sorry to say this to you. But you sometimes just let them, let them and God have it, have it out with each other. Maybe you should just stay out of it. Because there's going to come a day in your life when your kids grow up and God is going to tell you, get out of it. And He may probably tell you through your kid's mouth. That's a bad day as a parent when your kid says, Dad, none of your business. I'll deal with this. You want your kids to deal with it. You don't want to create a, kid, you know, a situation where kids would always be bailed out. Teach them how to, to answer for their issues. Teach them how to solve their own problems. When they're, even when they're young, don't bail them out. If they mess up, let them pay the price. It'll keep them from really messing up later in life. Did I just give you some good counsel? Guess what? I got that the hard way. <laughs> I wish somebody told me that a long time ago and I would have listened. I probably wouldn't have listened. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yes, sir. Here's another thing about your mountains. You've got to quit talking about your problems. Because when you talk about your problems, your problems magnify. Have you noticed anything you talk about, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your mind. Okay? You've got to quit talking about your problems and talk to your problems. Now, that's the truth. Here's another thing about it. If you don't talk to your mountains, it's going to talk to you. You know what I mean? You, you, those negative thoughts that come in your mind. Anybody wake up in the middle of the night? Anybody wake up in the middle of the night and these thoughts come to you? That's your mountain talking to you. And what you have to... You know what you got to do when it does that? you got to tell it. Shut up. I'm not listening to you. No. I'll deal with you when I wake up in the morning. You, you're in trouble. 
you're in trouble. Because when I get up, I'm going to curse your height. You know? When you start doing that, get, I'm telling you, this works. I do it. Because I wake up in the middle of the night, and I can feel this thing coming at me. And I just tell it, uh-uh, no, I'm sleeping. It's not time for me to talk about anything. I don't want to hear a thing you got to say. I don't believe anything you're saying anyway. You know, so that's a way of doing it. But you've got, if you don't talk to your problems, they are going to continually talk to you and wear your heart out and wear your mind. That's why people are so stressed out. Their problems are talking to them. They need to stand up and say, wait a minute, I'm talking to you. You, Hey, listen, I'm talking to you now. You ever got in an argument with somebody? Well, let me tell you, I got in this situation with this person one time, and they, wore, they were wearing my heart out. So I said, well, let's just have a meeting about it. And we got in the meeting, and I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to have two meetings. The first meeting, you can say everything you want to say. And then the second meeting, but I'm telling you, the second meeting, I'm going, to get, I'm going to do some talking. So we had the first meeting, and they wore me out, and I listened to it. We called back the second meeting, and I started wearing them out. And they wanted to keep defending themselves. I said, wait a minute, no, you already had your time. This is my time to talk. You're going to listen to me now. Okay, and that's what we need to do for our problems. Listen, you've said everything you're going to say to me. I'm talking to you now, and you're going to be quiet. And when we begin to do that, I'm telling you, when you begin to speak to your problems, they are going to shut up because they know they're in trouble. Are y'all following that? So, you've got to use your mouth. Don't, don't use somebody else's. Well, you know, the pastor said, well, nobody's saying that in this church probably, obviously. But they're saying, well, you know, Bill Johnson said, well, that's great that Bill Johnson said, but what do you got to say? You know, because I ain't in Bill Johnson's house, and I'm not in his body. I've got to get my own words, you know. And I do appreciate what other people say, by the way, because they can help us. Joel Stenia, yeah, come on, big Joel. I listened to him recently. Yeah. A positive guy. Yeah. All right, listen to Genesis 1. All right, how many know that Genesis is a great book to get revelation out of? It really is, because it's the original plan. This is the original blueprint, Genesis. How I got saved is, is in the book of Genesis. As I started reading it, trying to get this revelation that I felt like God was trying to give me as an unsaved person. You know, that's crazy. Now I'm thinking, how, did I get, how was I thinking that? Well, you know why I thought that? Because I had this experience with Holy Ghost fire before I was a Christian that came on me and instantly straightened my mind out. Instantly, I was so drunk and high that I couldn't put two words together. And instantly, I told y'all about this story, right? I was in the car with the girl. I'd been drinking real heavily that night and doing drugs all night, and I was going to throw up because everything was spinning around me. And I made this prayer, God, please don't let me throw up. That was my prayer because I was too arrogant to throw up in front of this girl because I was going to throw up all her dashboard and everything. It was bad. I knew I was. I could feel it coming, you know. And I prayed that prayer, and I was instantly, this fire came on me. And I was instantly sobered and straight in my mind, and I was scared. And it was like, please take me home. I want to go home. I don't feel, something's wrong here. Something's wrong with my life. I can't, this can't be right. I'm instantly sober and straight, and I'm scared. I knew it was God. And, but it did something to me, and I, be, and I got the Bible. And like most people who read a book, they don't start like, you know, at the second half. You know, like in the New Testament, I started in the very first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, like you would normally read a book, right? And I started reading this account of creation, and I got sucked into it for weeks, reading it and thinking about it and praying and asking God all these questions about, about the creation. But my ultimate thing was I was trying to figure out, where did you come from? That was my real question. And that's how he saved me. I love that story. That's a great story because it's so real. Uh, just as real right now as it was then to me. But listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, listen to this, was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. That was what earth was. It was uh, the earth was just a darkness. It was void. There was chaos. It was, there was no life. There was no light. It was just a terrible place. This is what our, our world was. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, those two sentences are contrary, right? Because the presence and power of God was there, but there was chaos there. So what I want to tell you, just because the presence of the Lord is somewhere doesn't mean anything in terms of the breakthrough or the deliverance. 
It really doesn't. Something, there has to be something else added to the equation. I've watched people over the years, I've watched people come out here and get blasted through their gourd by the Holy Spirit's presence. I mean, just disoriented. You know, they're so tore up by the Holy I'm talking Holy Ghost tore up. If you've never had that, you need to have that experience at least once a week. <laughs> the more the merrier. Lord, bring those days... Where the wine of heaven just pour, we're just, we just get tore up, just get insane. We're looking for those times again, and I believe they're coming again. And God just tries, He sobers you up for a little while, you know, okay, here and now. <laughs> Anyways, this one guy, when I never forget him, he had a really bad stomachache, and he did all, and spent 35 minutes on the floor, we read through and you know, went back and sit down back there. Ah, oh, my stomach is killing me, man. What the heck's going on? He had been in the presence of the Lord, but he didn't get healed. Okay? He wasn't coming to get healed. He was just coming to get prayer. We were praying about something else. He didn't get that stomach healed. And that was sort of a confusion to him. He didn't really, he couldn't put those two together in his mind. You know what I'm talking about. And see, I think that's the way a lot of Christians are. We had this encounter with the Lord that's powerful, but breakthrough doesn't happen. And it causes confusion in our life. Well, here's, here's the reason. It was chaos. The Spirit of God was there. The presence of God was there. Oh, wait a minute. Don't you love that song? I'm a lover of your presence. Isn't that great? I was thinking, there's probably people in this room that are not lovers of God's presence, just to be honest with you. But th you know what? I pray that God would give you that love of His presence. Because that's really what, you know, that's what I'm living for. I'll be, you know, that'd be the one thing I would not be willing to give away nothing is that I mean there's a lot of things I could give away but that I won't give away for not, I mean there's nothing on the earth better than that is the presence of the God and to be a lover of that where Lord your presence is what we really want we'll negotiate everything else out the door over that everything period but we won't negotiate that out we will stick to that our guns on that one amen and so if you don't have that kind of heart ask God to give it to you because I didn't do anything to get it. It just is there. You know, I didn't come up with some deal to be that way. Anyways, but this is the part. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, this is the principle. It took God saying something to change that situation. Now, think about it. He said, let. Now, I always think about let like this. Let is... Well, if you're a guy, you'll know what lead is. Let me go. You ever some stronger guy grab you from behind, you know, or grab, you know, grab a hold of him. You can't get loose. I'm finally just say, let me go. You know what I'm talking about? Girls don't understand that, but guys do it. You know, it's let me go. I mean, you can't get loose. Lead is a word that you're, it's, it's, it's a, a, a word that you're, you're coming against something that's opposing you. And so this darkness was opposing light, and light came in and said, let there be light. It loosed, it loosed the world, it loosed the earth from this darkness, okay, and brought the light in. It took that let. It took God speaking, though. It wasn't just a thought, okay? He had the thought, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to bring some light in the world. I think I'm going to create. See, he had those, everything begins with a thought, right? That's why we, our thoughts are important. But, if it just stays a thought, nothing's going to happen. You've got to speak out the thing. And so God spoke out into the earth. He spoke into this problem, into this chaos, and spoke light into it. And then, if you read Genesis 1, this is the coolest thing. It says this. It's messed up the way they wrote it, according to modern writers. Is It says, and it repeats this phrase, and God said, let there be animals. God said, let there be trees. God said, it used this term over and over, and God said in Genesis 1. Instead of, you know, an editor would have took, taken that and looked at it and thought, oh, you know, you're repeating and God said too much. Let's just say, and God said there's going to be sky, light, water, moons. You understand that? To make it simple for the reader. But God was trying to give us a picture to see something. He wasn't just telling us what he did. He was saying, here's the secret. This is how I did it. I spoke it. 
That's why he kept saying, he kept made sure that, and God said, I can imagine Moses when God was telling us, now write down, well, you already said that one time, Lord. No, write that, Moses. And God said, let there, uh, write it one more time, Moses. I want everybody to get this hint. I'm telling the world, this is how you do this thing. I'm telling them in Genesis, this is how you get back. You speak it. You speak it with your mouth. You release it with your mouth. Isn't that great? I think it's great. So when we have this, these times of difficulty in our lives, we, just like God, we need to start speaking into our difficulty. If we've got confusion and we don't know what to do, we need to speak light into that thing, speak wisdom into that, speak, speak life into that thing. Are you all following this? Now, a great example of this is, in, is with Moses. You know, they had a problem, okay? And the problem is they didn't have no water. So the Lord said, take the rod that you have and hit this rock. So that was like, that would be a, a symbolic of us praying about our problem. Well, I need to pray, Lord. I need you to get this. I need to get some water. And so he did that. And, and there was a breakthrough. Water came out of the rock, right? But then later, the Lord gave him a greater revelation. It's like, Moses, speak to the rock. But Moses didn't speak to it. He hid it. And see, a lot of Christians are like beating their problems. They're not speaking to their problems. They're beating them. And, and, and it messed Moses up. It messed his life up. It messed his destiny up. Right? And here's another thing that happens. when See, I see this happen with people. They get in a mess in their life, or whatever's going on, and they are fighting tooth and nail. Okay? Beating that thing. Trying to get, and you know what they wind up doing? They wind up beating everybody around them. Now that's the truth. That is the truth. They beat everybody around them because they're just beating away at trying to get their problems solved. Instead of beginning like, hey, I need to quit beating. I need to, and I need to start speaking. I need to start speaking to this situation. Because I'm hurt. Not only am I hurting myself, I'm hurting other people. Now y'all get that? That's really important. This, this speaking thing, I keep you from having this collateral damage. So I will tell you about my two collateral damage stories, okay? Uh, one day I was on the driving range, okay, with a friend of mine. And, you know, on a driving range, there's people who lined up in a row hitting golf balls. And everybody sort of uses their brains about the person around. Like, if there's a person there... You ain't getting too close to them because they've got this golf club coming back and through, and you just don't want to be hit by it. And there's also a person, another person that could be behind you, so you don't want to back into them. So you've got your space over there, and you sort of understand that. But this guy, was, I don't know what he was doing or thinking, but he walked right into me, and I hit him with my golf club. <laughs> fortunately, it wasn't an iron, you know. And fortunately, I guess I was just doing some little easy swing because it didn't hurt him that much, okay? That's a good example of flailing away. You know, and collateral damage. But here's my other story. Are y'all okay with these stories? I'm giving you a little break right now. Years ago, when my dad was still alive, towards the end of his life, he got a little bit frail, and he had uh, wood that needed to be split. So me and my brother went out and was splitting wood, okay? And my brother was sort of behind me, but he was a few, you know, a good ways off, like, you know, like as far as that speaker over there. And I was just splitting wood away, and I was talking to my brother. And he was to my back. And he, suddenly I realized he wasn't saying nothing. And I turn around and look, and he's laying on the ground. He's knocked out. I ran over to him, and well, yeah, what's going on? And getting him up, and, you know, his head was smashed in. And what happened, there was a clothesline there. Okay, and he didn't think about it. And he took the, the maul, you know, to bring it. And then when it came, it hooked the clothesline, and he pulled it. When he pulled it down the back of it, it hit him in the head and knocked himself out with it. It's funny now, but then it was like, is he going to live? You know? He literally had a dent in his head for years after that. I mean, it's still slightly there if you really got close to it and looked at it. It's terrible. So you just have to be careful when you're splitting wood. I mean, just make sure there's no limbs or people around, that, you know. Anyways, I just did that to give you all a break. Let me... Let, yeah. Let me read to you Genesis 2-7, though. Are y'all all right? Genesis 2-7. It says, the Lord God, God... Everybody say formed. Now, this is important. God formed man. God formed man out of dust, is what it says. Now, this, people think God just created man, but really He formed them. You know, a potter forms a vase. 
And that's, and that's what the Bible really says. It doesn't say God created man. It says He formed man. He made man out of something else. Now, that's kind of, a, you know, sort of something we should really know. And it's important to know because God also formed animals. Okay? And, but He did something else with us that He didn't do with the animals. It says He breathed in, into His nostrils the breath of life. And man became something. That's the creative part. When God breathed His breath into man, He was not just something that was formed. His spirit was created inside of him. That's how our spirit was created. God breathed into us, and our spirit was created. And when our spirit was created, and this is important, we got the ability to do something that no other animal has the ability to do, and that's to talk. Do you understand that? That's why dogs can't talk. You see, because God breathed His Spirit into us and gave us this ability to communicate intelligently. And that's what really makes us fully into His image, is that we can talk just like God can talk. And the first thing that God told man to do was go name all the animals. And that took talking to name them. He, he, had, he had to say the name. Right, And when he said the name, something happened. When he said, this is a tiger, it became a tiger. Right? You would not call a dog a tiger. Like, that just don't work. Right? And why don't it work? Because there's spiritual force behind words. Okay? Now, that's what Jesus said. Are y'all... I'm about to fall over myself. <laughs> that's bad, isn't it? I'm not drunk on the Holy Spirit. I wish I was. I'm just stumbling around here. I'm... Our words are spiritual forces. This is what Jesus said. Are y'all following this? I, I, the reason I'm telling you all this is because this is how we've got to start looking at our words. Jesus said it, John 6, 63. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. These words that we're speaking out of a heart of faith, there's force behind these words. There's power. That's why I said when Jesus spoke to that tree, he was, there was a force on those words. Nobody saw it. Nobody felt it. But there was a force that killed that tree. He killed it with His words. And see, we can, we can create this world with our words. It's like God created this world with words. And He was trying to say, you are supposed to be doing the same thing. You are supposed to be taking care of this world. And you've got to start speaking to your problems and, and not just pray about them. And not just get... It's okay to pray about them, okay? I'm not saying don't pray about your problems. And I'm not saying don't get other people to pray. And I'm not saying don't get prophetic words about it. But there's going to come a point in everybody's room in this life. One of these days, you're going to have a problem that all the prayers in the world won't fix and all the prophetic words in the world won't fix. But there's one thing that will fix it. It's when you speak to it. Say, no more. I'm done with this. You're dying. You're done. You're sobbed. Whatever, you know, however it comes about. Are you all all right? All right, well, let me give you two more, two more quick examples and we'll be done. Psalm 43, verse 5. Now, this is great. This is, the, this, is where you, this is how you start this business. King David, he talked to himself. This is what you've got to do when you're messed up. Start with yourself on this. Don't start with me on it. If I'm your problem, don't start with me. Byron, you're, I'm going to fix you today, son. I'm speaking to you. You're my, start with yourself. Don't start with your wife. Trust me. In fact, you may never want to pull this on your wife. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be some serious collateral damage. I've already tried it. It doesn't work. You, get... you can't win. I have never won a fight with Becky, ever. I mean, ever. She has won every fight we ever had. It may take two or three days, but I usually had to throw the white flag up. Like, I was wrong. I'm sorry I was being a jerk. You know, I know I was wrong. I shouldn't be that way. Even though I had her convinced I was right, I knew, like, I'm not really right, am I, Lord? <laughs> you know what I mean. If you're a smart guy, that's what you would do. Anyways, David said, why are you cast down, O soul? O soul. And why are you disquieted within me? He was talking to himself. That's what he was doing. Like, you're messed up. I'm messed up. I'm bummed. Well, start speaking it. What's your problem? Why are you bummed? Stop. Get over it. Move on. Get, come on, get up, look at what you've got to live for. You know, look what God has done for you. That's what, I'm talking to myself, you know, and telling myself, you don't have to be this way. 
fact, I'm not. You tell yourself that. You don't let yourself. That's what David was, was saying. Then he, then he says, hey, self, hope in God. Hope in God, self, for I shall yet praise Him. I shall praise Him. He was talking completely to himself. He wasn't trying to tell us anything. We just happened to get in on it. I shall praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. And see, that's, that really can change everything. You know, there's a, there's a temptation to be down. There's a temptation to be disappointed. There's a temptation to be discouraged. You know? But most of us bite into that right away instead of saying, I'm not going there. And I, the more you do this, the better you'll get at it. You will live a life less down and more up. More thinking, you know, being thankful, thinking about what God's doing. One of the things that I really believe about church services that are really powerful is singing the songs. Okay? Why is that powerful? Because you are saying something. You're saying something when you're singing. That's why people who come to church and don't sing, it's like, if you're just thinking it, come on, come on, sing it. You've got a chance to say something awesome about God with a group of other people. Just do it. It doesn't have to sound good, but just do that and something can happen for you. That's why, I'm going to be honest with you, that's why you can get people in church and God can be really moving powerfully and they don't know He's moving. They're not, they're, they're, they're not creating anything in their own heart. They're, they're waiting for something to come to them and still like, you know what, I'm going to create my own atmosphere at church. If it ain't good, I'm going to have a good atmosphere myself. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start looking around, trying to see what God's doing, thinking about what God's doing, looking at people who are happy. I had this great experience last, last Sunday at church when Becky was preaching. I was at the back of the room the whole time. And I said, wow, Becky, there's a big difference between the front of the room and the back of the room. Everybody at the back of the room was really happy. <laughs> they were happy back there. They had the children back there. This was in the first service. They had a bunch of children. They were just happy back there. And I thought, this is great. They're happy at church. You know, People at the front tend to, you know, they're working like, oh, I, you know, we've got to get with it and get God moving. And we, well, sometimes we need to make everybody in the back come to the front, and everybody in the front goes to the back, you know. We could go preach in the back. But people were happy. I was thinking, this is great. People are happy at church. This is a novel thing. Happy people. They're happy. They're having a good time, you know. And it's just like, man, that's a light feeling. Come on. All righty. I don't know what that has to do with talking, but something. Well, I do believe, I do believe one of the reasons we sing songs in the church, it is to worship the Lord, but I believe one of the benefits is for us. It's when we sit there and declare these things like, I was made for love. You're making a declaration. You're not singing a song. When you were saying that, did you, were you just saying words to a song, or were you really standing up before the Lord and saying, No, I'm made for love, God. Hey, everybody in the spiritual world, I'm made for love. You know, that's, there's power on that. And you get your, it's put into a nice context, you know, because it sounds kind of rough at home by yourself. At least it does, unless you're a good singer. Then it can sound nice. But for people like me, it's kind of a rough sound. So I can come in here and do all this and sound great. Because nobody can hear my sound. There is everybody else saying, but I'm I'm releasing the sound. And I'm releasing something out of me that's creating an atmosphere in my heart and creating an atmosphere around me. All right. Here it is. Zechariah, this is the the one that we do all the time. Okay? This is Zechariah, he's a prophet. There's this guy named Zerubbabel who was gonna build this temple. He was an important guy. He had a lot of problems, he had a lot of resistance going against his life. And so Zechariah was speaking to him and really prophesying to him, you know, getting words for him. And this is what he said to him. So he answered and said to him, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That's a great day when you hear this prophet say that to you, right? This is, I got a word for you, brother. You know, you know, we go over to Bob Jones's house, like, and I'm always like, I mean, please let me get a word today, Lord. Please, please, please. Never get one. Like, Bob, you got a word for me? No, you don't need one. I do need one. I do. Trust me. Just tell me something. Yeah. But one day, one day, you know, a couple months ago, he gave me a word. 
And I was so excited. I got a word. You know what I do now, though? I go in meetings like that. You know, Lord, I know somebody's going to be getting words. I'm taking every word that they're getting from myself, unless I don't like it. So I don't care what they're saying. I'm saying, that's for me, that's for me, that's for me. That works for me, too. I'll take that one, too. I'm just getting in on what God's doing for people. And it really works. You go away like, wow, I got all these words today. You know? I'm telling you, it works. And those words happen in your life. Because you know what? God's not stingy. Oh, you want that blessing? You can have it. You have not because you ask not, right? So you just start asking and you get in on what God's doing. But every once in a while you get one, and most of the time they're good. You know, and if it don't sound good, it really is good because God would never say something that wasn't going to be good for you. You know? Anyways, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that an awesome word? It's like, oh, yeah, that takes all the pressure off. Not by might nor by your power, but by my spirit. I'm going to do this for you. And then it shifts. They start talking to the mountain. Who are you, O great mountain? And that's what we've got to start doing with our problems. Like, who are you, depression? Who are you, lust? Who are you, financial problems? Who are you, failure? You think you're going to stand against me? I don't think so. You could start beginning to speak like that. I don't think so. I don't think so. You shall become a plane before... Put your name in there. That's what's going to happen to you. I'm going to level your hide with these words. I'm going to level your hide. Just with these words. I'm going to level your hide. You shall become a plane, and Zerubbabel will bring forth the caps. In other words, he's going to finish this job with shouts of grace, grace to him. Grace, grace. You know, when you hear about somebody going through troubles in their life, you know, that's what you can say to them. Grace, grace. You release that anointing of grace towards them. Oh, that's what we do all the time. Oh, you hear about someone say, oh, yeah, grace, grace, Lord. Grace, grace, Lord. Grace, grace on them, Lord. Grace, grace to that problem that they're having, Lord. That's what we got to start doing. We got to start. We got to start talking to our problems, ladies and gentlemen. I believe if we'll start talking to them, we'll start getting breakthroughs. I really do. I believe we got to start talking to our sicknesses, our financial troubles, our relational troubles, all of them. Just whatever they are. Everybody's got different problems and different issues in your life. But once you start speaking to them, you're releasing what God put in you from the very beginning. You're releasing His Spirit, His Word into that thing and it's got to it's got to change it can't not change can't not change don't just go like well it didn't happen you know I spoke into this money thing and tomorrow I didn't have no money that would be ridiculous if you will speak and stand and believe in that you will see the word of the Lord come to pass in your life because you're speaking the word of the Lord that's how God designed us to live our lives now everybody in this room has probably got a problem right Okay, I want you to think about your problem for a moment. The one, the problems, like the mountain problems. The one like, Lord, I just can't. Come on, Lord, I've been doing this sin 9,000 times. I'm so tired of telling you. I'm sorry about it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody have that problem in this room besides just me? Lord, I've repented a million times for that one stupid thing. Will I ever get the victory? Yes. You start speaking to that thing. You start speaking to it. When you walk into a room and if you feel insecure or you feel like you don't measure up, you can say, I do measure up. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king. I measure up. I belong. I have a right. I have a place. I'm legitimate. You start saying those things, something happens. You want dreams, visions, revelations of the Lord? It's easy. This is brilliant. I will go on to dreams, visions, and revelations of the Lord. I will. I will. You need a healing? I'm going to speak to this disease. I'm going to tell you, who do you think you are? You think you're going to kill me? You think you're going to take my life away from me? No, you're not. I stand up to you today. I'm going to speak to you today. I'm speaking to you, disease. You can't have authority over me anymore. And see, I believe when we begin to do that, learn to do that, allow the Holy Spirit to help us with that, I think we can begin to see a lot of changes in our life. And once we start seeing it in our lives, then we can start seeing it around us. 
our, our circumstances. And then maybe there'll come a day in a prayer, a prayer movement uh, that will start in, in America, and people will stand up like Elijah did in his day, you know, and declare the word of the Lord to the government and to the people, and that something happens, and it won't just be a bunch of riling and railing and carrying on, but there'll be some power would get released that would turn, you know, turn a nation. I mean, that's the dream, right? Turn the nation. So let's think about it. Let's, all right, let's stand up. Now, you thought about your problem. Now, we're all going to say it out loud. Now, just in case it's, if it's really bad, and I mean really vile, you don't want really, like stuff you don't want nobody to know about. Okay, I can't let nobody know I do this. You can whisper it. Andy's going to play some music. It doesn't have to be loud. You can whisper it, but you can't just think it like, hmm, I got this problem. Of course, you thought that forever. Say it. Say it. Begin to speak to that problem and say, I condemn you. I judge you. You will not have authority over me no more. You got financial problems. You got business problems. Whatever it is, it just whatever your problem is, you begin to curse it today if, if it needs to be cursed. If it needs life, if it needs wisdom, it needs light, speak life, wisdom, and light to it. And then tomorrow morning when you get up, do it again. Keep doing it. You know? And don't waver in unbelief. And you will see the Lord. All right, let's do this right now. Andy, do something. Make some noise so people can get, begin to talk. Because we don't want people's bad news to get out. <laughs> Lord, thank you today. We are declaring something today, God, into the spiritual realm. We're looking at our problems and we're saying, Wait a minute! Wait a minute. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being pushed around by this problem. I'm tired of this sin knocking me down. I'm tired of my prayers not being answered. I'm tired of my family hurting in this area. I speak to you today. I condemn you today. I judge you today. I break your power over me today. Just speak it out to the Lord. Yeah. Let it just die at the roots. I tell you, you're going to die. Jesus said it. That's enough. We'll just do that a moment. Yeah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.